This is the Hello World Podcast, where we talk about habits of success, habits of excellence, entrepreneurship, leadership, learning and development, and outlook that will help us succeed through life. This is Louis Banta, CEO and Chief Trainer of Learning Just Made Better or LJMB. Episode 5, How Do We Lead an Organization and Transform the Organization to Make Sure It Adapts and It Thrives in the Changing Environment. We have been privileged to have as a guest the former CEO of RCBC Banker, which is among the top five local credit card players in terms of step. He was CEO of Bankard from 2016 up to 2020. He is currently the Executive Vice President and Head of Consumer Lending of RCBC. He's also a health and sports buff. He's into bodybuilding and arm wrestling, into boxing and jiu-jitsu, and also plays football. When he's not busy leading teams, and not busy with his sports routine, he is at home playing with his daughter, spending quality time with Isabel. Our guest this afternoon, Simon Calasanz. Welcome, Simon, to the Low World Podcast. Thank you for having me, Louis. It's been a pleasure to have worked with Simon for the past three years, since 2017. To our listeners who are joining us in this uh, episode, Simon is who I would consider as one of my leadership idols. And Simon, I have expressed this to you. Yes, you are an, a welcome addition to my list of leadership idols. Simply because of... Yes, totoo yan, no? totoo yan. And of course, the others are people who don't know me, big names, even global uh, names. So I'm really privileged to have known Simon in our work with him in RCBC Bankard, one thing that I uh, noticed with Simon is that he's really mild-mannered. And I cannot imagine a CEO uh, who heads uh, hundreds of people in an organization subject to a lot of pressure, yes? And here you have an organization to transform, yet soft-spoken and uh, mild-mannered. Simon, that's my new question to you. I know it's not part of our guide questions. How okay, do you worries. do it? How, how do you maintain that kind of composure? Okay, so that's a very good question, Lorena. Um, there are times wherein you have to make very tough decisions. The situation is, you know, uh, chaotic. And mm-hmm. I think it's very important for the team to see that uh, they have a leader who is calm, composed, and collected. Because if they see that your leader panics, then even uh, they will panic. So I, I feel that I need to continue to show uh, that the situation is under control and that uh, there are ways out. So I, I feel that's very important to continue to show uh, your team that so that they continue to have confidence that uh, they are in good hands. Powerful forces. 
ganda. Calm, what is that? Uh, composed and collected, which now equates to or produces that confidence that uh, you need from uh, people. In uh, our partnership with you in the last three years, we were a witness to how you led Bankard to get into that top five, that coveted top five. And I believe when we started doing culture transformation work with you, you were definitely not part of the top five. Yes, that's right. And you <clears throat> even led Bankard to overachieve, was it an understatement, even overachieve these targets, even, and I'm preempting you, Simon, please just correct me, you're even ahead of your deadline to reach your number one metric by a full year. That's and correct. That's correct. So, wow, really blown away. This is organizational transformation inside and outside because the stakeholders are witnessing it, no? Uh, customers, the industry, in the YGC, the Yuchenko group of companies, you have been heralded because of that achievement. If uh, we will guide other executives out there who are currently, or who will be doing organizational change, what's the top three secret ingredients in that successful four-year run? Okay, so again, to put things in uh, perspective, when I first joined Bankard, um, it was an okay organization. It was doing okay. Um, it was making a profit. Uh, but in terms of where we wanted to be or where I felt we could take the organization, it was definitely underperforming. So at that time, we were, I think, eighth in the industry in terms of several key metrics. Mm -hmm. We felt that, you know, um, in time, if we implement the right kinds of strategies, that uh, we could definitely take it into uh, top five mm -hmm. uh, within five years of uh, certain key metrics. Mm -hmm. uh, in the card industry. So uh, the things that I felt uh, we had to bring to the table to ensure that we met those goals were, one, of course, putting in a solid strategy, mm -hmm. uh, one that can stand the test of time. Because uh, some things that you will see in organizations that fail is, parang every two or three years, nagpapalit sila ng strategy. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. definitely something that you want to avoid. You want to have something that can stand the test of time and uh, you know you have a problem if you need to keep on changing that strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, it should be flexible enough that you can make tweaks as you go along. Okay. So second, um, and this is something that you've shown us during your workshops, uh, culture transformation. Because uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Doesn't that sound familiar, Louis? <laughs> so, yes, of course. So... It's very important because uh, we felt that, you know, um, even if we had the right strategy, if um, the, the culture within the organization was not the right culture, that would enable uh, proper execution of these strategies and we would fail. Mm -hmm. So undergoing that uh, transformation journey to me was very important. Mm -hmm. And then third, it's really changing the mindset of uh, the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, many within the organization, even among uh, the senior leaders, uh, were kind of happy uh, with where they were. You know, they were mm -hmm. they were happy being profitable, but uh, they didn't think of themselves as the type of organization or the type of group that could become a top player uh, in mm -hmm. the industry. They said, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we need to change that. We we need to have a, a winning mindset. 
mm-hmm. and we also started having uh, small workshops with regard to uh, having the winning mindset uh, in the mm-hmm. organization. And okay. I have a funny story that I like to tell uh, with ahead. regard to, uh, I think you've heard this, uh, with regard to arm wrestling. Okay. Uh, so I think it was maybe four years ago that um, I had joined an arm wrestling competition wherein typically an arm wrestling competition will have uh, weight classes, right? You have lightweight, middleweight, and heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, there were not enough participants to make those three weight classes. So everybody was put into one big weight class. Okay. So uh, me, I typically uh, compete in the lightweight uh, weight mm-hmm. class. So I was thinking to myself, you know, there's no way I'm going to win this competition. Mm-hmm. So um, How many classes, uh, Simon? How uh, typically classes? three. So three? lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight. So I was thinking to myself, no way I will win this competition. But with heavyweights, uh, no, in the pool. Yes, with heavyweights, okay. mm-hmm. because they, they they put us all into mm-hmm. one category. Mm-hmm. So um, at the end of the tournament, um, I placed fourth. So I- imagine um, uh, I had to commit, uh, compete against middleweights and heavyweights, and yet I mm-hmm. did well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, that's okay because kalaban ko mga heavyweight, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you, you know, however, what is strange, the eventual champion uh, of that competition was uh-huh. a guy who was lighter than me. So this guy was like 145 pounds. Okay. And, um, you, you know, to me, that, that changed my mindset because mm-hmm. I entered that competition thinking that I wouldn't win it. Mm-hmm. But this guy didn't uh, put that uh, mental barrier on himself. He, mm-hmm. he didn't care if he was a lightweight. Mm-hmm. In the finals, he went up against a 230-pound bouncer and still okay. won. So uh, to me, that was a very powerful story that I shared with people in Bankart about having mm-hmm. uh, a winning mindset. You, you mm-hmm. might not have all the right tools, okay. but if you enter into a fight thinking that you will lose, you will lose. So, okay. so you, you need to change that mindset and think that, hey, you know, I can win this. So... So, yes. in, in, interesting story, just to delve on that a bit. It's possible that uh, somebody as light as 145 can beat the 235. Yes, yes. It, it was, it's not pure strength. What is it if it's not just pure arm strength? Okay, so arm wrestling, you ha- the basic requirement is you have to be strong. Uh, okay. But on top of strength, there is a lot of technique. Um, endurance and skill that is required to win an arm wrestling competition. So okay. like me, I, I did win against people who are w- much heavier than me uh, mm-hmm. during that day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just, uh, this is new to me. I just heard of this. Uh, <laughs> first time I heard of this one. So again, linking it. Uh, yes, nobody's exempted. Even you, you enter that competition. You look around you. You, you notice what's visible. It's very easy to really say, okay, have that defeatist uh, mindset. Exactly. And how you also use that story in your yes, continuing journey, um, inspiring uh, people we can place in the top, uh, yes. from, from eight in the industry, yes. now within top five. In okay. less than five years, your time is five years. I, I cannot congratulate you that frequent really emphasize how I really admire this one. 
you mentioned three things. Solid strategy, good parallelism, arm wrestling. is not just about strength, also about tactics, techniques, and strategy. You mentioned about culture and mindset. I know how that too overlaps because culture, the foundation is how people think. Correct. And you mentioned culture as part of the three, but in a scale of one to ten, how much of the success is because of culture? If we will just isolate culture with the other things, because you've done a lot. I know that systems improved. IT was also part of the, 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 the pieces. What yeah. else? Branding and marketing. And I also saw how the sales organization of Bankard right. transform itself. So culture in a scale of 1 to 10, how much is uh, the contribution okay. of culture? Um, I would say um, it's like a 8 to 9. Uh, very important. Because uh, all those other things that you mentioned, um, if you do it without transforming, uh, without transforming your culture, uh, many of the ups, uh, much of the upside that you will get will be short-lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you won't be able to continue it in the organization. So it'll be like you're constantly on the hamster wheel. Okay. As opposed to uh, changing the culture, changing the mindset. So even if I leave, now uh, I've left Bankart and I still feel mm-hmm. very comfortable that mm-hmm. they will continue to uh, show gains and grow uh, mm-hmm. even without me uh, in the organization. What's so, one thing that you important. like most in the transformation journey? Okay. Maybe that, well, that not just one, two or three things that you like most, steering the uh, team. Yes. So several things. I mean, um, seeing the actual results, uh, like the actual KPIs and the business results, it showed that what we were doing was paying off. And you mm-hmm. saw more smiles in the hallway. You saw that people were being open. You saw much more collaboration. and. Um, this is something that I usually have. I would have coffee talks with my people uh, on a monthly basis. And they always show appreciation that uh, they like it, that um, I talk to them and I listen to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that they felt that they were part uh, of the journey. So mm-hmm. they were taking ownership of uh, the journey as well. It's usually a new leader comes in. And of course, it's tasked to transform the organization depending on what uh, previous state the company uh, is in. And then, of course, we've heard of stories in other organizations when leaders either decide to change, people don't appreciate it. It has a, the opposite effect. And I'm hearing from you now, people go to you, people express their appreciation. And I have been, I've been a witness that people will really cite that one of the reasons for success to our listeners, one Simon's is very very humble here. No? People will say one of the reasons for success is his leadership. Okay? Um, in other organizations, it's the opposite. Uh, the opposite happens. People want to change, but uh, it, they feel that they're being forced. What was, in terms of daily tactics and implementation in interacting with people? How did that transformation go in day-to-day interactions with people? uh, Very good question. Um, To me, it was very important in the first six months of uh, my move to show that I was there to listen. Uh, And uh, 
this goes part to my leadership style, which is mm-hmm. uh, you need to be a good communicator. So being a co- communicator, it goes two ways. One is uh, having good listening skills, but at the same time, also being able to communicate your message to your people. Mm-hmm. So during the first six months, it was, you know, taking everything in, uh, listening to all the feedback, and then skipping mm-hmm. levels. So, mm-hmm. so you can't just speak to your one down. So you need to speak all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's how I composed those coffee sessions. So uh, there were people in middle management, people from the senior team, but uh, people all the way down to... Uh, the newest hire uh, in terms mm-hmm. of uh, clerical uh, tasks uh, in the office. And I gave all feedback equal importance. Mm-hmm. So it was when I showed the team that I would listen uh, to their feedback and do something mm-hmm. about it. It wasn't mm-hmm. just lip service. That mm-hmm. I started gaining their trust. And uh, to me, that was very important. So... Uh, I was able to gain their trust, and I also showed them that I trusted them too. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which ways, um, I uh, would listen to their opinions. Because for a very long time, um, uh, many of the decisions were being made just from the top. Uh, mm-hmm. But my philosophy there is, I don't want to have to make all the decisions uh, for mm-hmm. the team. So the reason why you're a senior manager there is so that um, you can make those decisions. So if I make all the decisions, then I don't need a senior manager, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you also need to allow them to make small mistakes. Okay. So nakikita mo na uh, that they might make a mistake, but mm-hmm. uh, you don't catch them. You, mm-hmm. you let them make those mistakes. And mm-hmm. uh, those then become very teachable moments. And uh, they can be very powerful and profound uh, okay. experiences for those people. Of course, you need to weigh the risk, of course. Yeah, you mentioned uh, small mistakes. Right? Yes, small yes. Mistakes. So the operative word there is small. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and by giving them that trust, mm-hmm. uh, you also earn their trust even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that goes to um, an- another le- leadership style of mine, which is really trust and empowerment. Mm-hmm. You so, gave us a lot. Wow. Yeah. Listening. But not just listening, but doing something about it. And what struck me, Simon, is that you, you mentioned first six months. It was listening and then doing something about it. When, um, of course, with my exposure with several organizations, a lot of people really want to create change and impact and produce results uh, in the short term. Results in two months, three months, four months, and five months. I didn't hear... In my first six months, I wanted to really see the KPIs. What I heard from you is listening, getting all the feedback. And then I assume that doing something about it meant quick wins. You also have to do some thinking along the way. Yes. And yeah, making, to our listeners, it's making small mistakes. Powerful enough to learn a lesson, but small enough not to have a big impact right. on the the business. Okay. I'm still getting to know you as a leader and I'm glad that I really had this opportunity because uh, I really met a lot of leaders in uh, the course of my work uh, here in the Philippines. Some have a similar style with yours. Others 
may have difficulty with letting people make small mistakes. Ah. Talagang, a lot of perfectionists, and they will see people, they will come in and intervene. Yes, just reinforces my, my learning from you again. Not just cool and collected, but to our leader listeners out there, make, let people make mistakes that they can learn from. Small mistakes that they can uh, learn from. Okay? Yeah. For, for six yeah. months. I was not able to witness this, Simon, right? Because mm-hmm. I came in on your second year. That's right. And we, I, I'm sure that cultural transformation started before that. No? And uh, it was just uh, <laughs> the workshops that we're able to, to take care of. And anything that you can add on that? Uh, I'm, I heard you wanting oh, yeah. to say um, more. So, uh, we, we were talking about how uh, uh, during the first six months I was listening, etc. Mm. But you also mentioned it. Um, at the same time, there were many other small things that I felt uh, we could do already, mm-hmm. uh, which would have a profound impact already on the PNL of mm-hmm. Bankart. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, as I was doing uh, these changes, I was gaining the trust uh, of the team. Mm-hmm. They could also see the other KPIs improving, profitability mm-hmm. was improving. So um, it, it, it was two-pronged. So mm-hmm. they could see the effects on the uh, people side. They could see the effects on the P&L side. Mm-hmm. So uh, the compounding effect was uh, very positive uh, in terms of gaining the trust of the team. And when you're leading a team through change, it's also important to point out what you just said, the small improvements. You're moving the needle because that really enables people to say, wow, this guy is doing the right thing. Hmm. The first six months, listening yes. and doing quick uh, wins. What's your like least? If earlier, it's what you like most in the four-year culture transformation journey. There must be some like lists or challenges or uh, difficulties. Let's just okay. acknowledge that. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, like um, all transformation journeys, that's why you call it a journey, because it takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, we are entering our fifth year of that journey, and I'd say we're probably only 60, 70% there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to me, that's already tremendous progress uh, compared to where we were before. I was about to interrupt you and say, that's just 60 to 70% when you are oh, more than one year ahead of your target. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, um, there is never any rest in the search for excellence. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, So that's something that, you know, we will continue to uh, chase and dream about. Okay, but um, uh, like you said, uh, in terms of challenges, yes, there were naysayers. There were people who uh, initially didn't buy into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were people who said, um, "You know, we've been doing uh, things like this for the longest time. Why do we need to change it?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's precisely the reason why uh, we had to change things because. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a different goal. We just didn't want to, we weren't happy just being where we were. We weren't happy being number eight. Mm-hmm. So to be uh, in, among the top five, uh, we indeed had to make changes. 
Mm -hmm. And when these people started seeing the results, uh, results being improved number of applications, improved mm -hmm. delinquency, improved mm -hmm. uh, profitability, then um, it also started, uh, you know, winning hearts and minds mm -hmm. and getting more people to subscribe uh, to the strategy. Okay. Okay. And I could uh, imagine the stakeholders that you would also need to manage. And just assuming, Simon, that what I observe in others, big enterprises, there is a mother company. Yes, and there could there are also some constraints no, that uh, we have to align or adhere with the yes. bigger organization. Um, how are you able to ensure that the alignment and adherence is there, which could at times, at times, yes. and correct me if I'm wrong, at times you may want to do something different because you are in a you need to innovate, but there could be some constraints with the bigger enterprise. Has that, so, have you experienced that and uh, how uh, did you deal with it? Okay, so I like that question because um, when I first joined Bankcard, that was also one of the questions that I had uh, from the organization. So mm -hmm. to the people who interviewed me, I said, how much control would I have over the business? And they told me, it's your show as long as you don't screw it. <laughs> screw it up <laughs> so you know to me that was very important mm -hmm. uh, because um, that made me uh, feel empowered as well uh, that I had their trust uh, for as long as I didn't mess things up so mm -hmm. because I had their trust I was also very careful in terms of all the strategies that we implemented mm -hmm. and I made sure uh, I, I made a hundred percent sure that these were definitely the right things that we wanted to do for the company mm -hmm. longer term. Mm -hmm. So um, yes, uh, having the trust uh, from the top is indeed very important. And um, how is it that I keep them informed? Um, I have regular update meetings uh, mm -hmm. uh, with them. So on a monthly basis and on a quarterly basis, uh, we keep them updated on the business results mm -hmm. and on the high-level strategies. And they will provide feedback uh, every now and then. And uh, we do need to make some tweaks. But overall, uh, there is a lot of alignment, uh, which just made my job a lot easier. Okay. Going back to culture, one of the things that is very difficult to change and control is culture. There is a tendency at times to slide back or yes. to when you have momentum then something happens and that uh, you see a downtrend as well in terms of behaviors has that happened have you seen that happen in your journey oh yes many what, times what did you do <laughs> many times and okay. um that's one of the reasons why uh you know we we came out with the leadership team norms which you helped us create um so when we came up with the leadership team norms uh, we knew that they were very powerful. We knew that these were the right team norms. But then we also knew that uh, there would be days that we uh, would fail to practice them. Um, so what we did was we posted it uh, on all the walls 
uh, we would have reinforcement workshops and we uh, we told the management team, you need to live it, you need to breathe it. Uh, so when you dream, you, you dream about the leadership uh, team norms. And there will be days that we forget. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's okay. Uh, but uh, we need to remember that at the end of the day, these are the things that will take us to where we need to be uh, in the future. Uh, and that, that was fine. That was part of the journey. Uh, failing was part of the journey. Uh, but uh, by reinforcing it, uh, almost constantly, eventually, uh, we got to that stage wherein it already became a habit uh, for most of the people in the organization. And for the benefit of our listeners, I had a chance to really work with Simon's uh, management committee in 2017 in an off-site session. We, I believe it was a common sentiment that we did not expect to be able to build all of those output in just one and a half days. When uh, most of us have been accustomed to three, four-day workshops with lots of output on PowerPoint, but we just built service philosophy, a statement of how the organization bankered commits to servicing its customers with their powerful hashtag. It's not complicated. And yes, doing business with customers should really not be complicated. And the commitment of this team, especially uh, Simon who drove it, is to put the team norms in big posters on the walls. I know that that's not something new because we've seen vision, mission, status, uh, status before. But the powerful thing is when we get into the annual workshops that we do with their employees, even to the lowest level, people know most, if not all, of the team norms because we would give on-the-spot team quizzes. Memorize nila yan, Simon, ano? Memorize nila yan. Saka they will look at the situation and then they will know this is uh, in adherence to this team norm, leadership team norm. Oh, this is not uh, solve it, fix it. Yes, uh, this is That's not right. on time. Wow. What, what's your favorite leadership team norm of all of those? Okay, so it's uh, being open and being courageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, in Bankard, a lot of people, and you'll see this in many organizations, wherein mm-hmm. in meetings, uh, people try to keep the peace by not speaking out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I- I'm sure many people who are listening can relate to sitting into a meeting and then hearing something that they don't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. But then because nobody's speaking up, uh, they just you know uh, keep the thought to themselves and don't share it. Uh, and to me, based on experience, those are absolutely the right times to raise your concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we need to be uh, courageous at times to, mm-hmm. to raise concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many times, um, they, they can cause conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But if it's uh, conflict uh, raised with your heart in the right place, then absolutely it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, by doing this, uh, we've made the organization a much stronger and more open organization, as mm-hmm. opposed to you know uh, keeping secrets and people trying to cover for each other. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I'm sure you hear the term, ay, linaglag mo naman ako eh. Mm-hmm. So, very common, no? Very common sa Filipino yes. organizations. Mm-hmm. So, it's not about laglagan, but it's mm-hmm. more about uh, calling out uh, wrong behavior if it's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by doing so, by doing so, you really um, encourage the right kind of culture uh, mm-hmm. wherein you reward good behavior and uh, mm-hmm. bad behavior is called out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it just reinforces everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Reinforces having the right kind of culture in your organization, mm-hmm. which you want to have. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. What's the toughest the task or toughest experience that you had in enforcing culture? Hmm. Um, I would say when I myself uh, failed uh, in my role as a leader. Mm-hmm. So I had to go in front of staff and say, you know, I failed uh, in my role as your leader. So uh, that was uh, in being uh, open and courageous as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a situation wherein we had failed to uh, right-size the team in terms of being able to allow them to process the number of applications that were coming through the door. Mm-hmm. So because of that, uh, they were spending a lot of time do- doing uh, overtime Mm-hmm. And uh, they raise that concern that mm-hmm. you know we've been doing this for six months straight. Um, so I said yes. That's that's my feeling as a leader. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we weren't able to right size and do the capacity plan that was appropriate mm-hmm. to ensure that you get to go home on time. You get to go home mm-hmm. to your families. So I made the commitment right there. I told them, you know, within uh, X months, uh, we will guarantee that uh, your work hours should normalize. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was achieved. So, In six months. Yes. It, it mm-hmm. was very difficult uh, to, you know, uh, go in front of the team and acknowledge that, Yes, a mistake was made, but uh, mm-hmm. I felt that I did have to do it. And I, mm-hmm. I, I had to show that, yes, I was vulnerable uh, at that mm-hmm. time, but I'm also human. But at the mm-hmm. same time, yes, I, I do make mistakes, but I will ensure that uh, we will fix those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Really a show of humility for me, Simon, that you're saying this. A lot of the things I'm hearing in this more intimate interview is far from our just uh, you know bumping into each other as you're about to deliver a, a, an opening message in a workshop. Really uh, humbled by this this incident of humility. And my takeaway here is culture. Nobody's above culture. When you set values and team norms there, even the CEO himself has to say, raise his hand just like what Simon said. Uh, that's on me. No, we failed on this. That's on me. And eventually do something about it. A brutal fact that you can share to leaders out there who are in the middle of culture transformation or change implementation, what's a brutal fact that leaders have to really face when they're transforming, changing, adapting? Okay, so uh, we touched on 
this a little bit uh, mm -hmm. while we were going through some of your other questions, but it will take time. It will not happen overnight. Um, it will be frustrating. And there will be people who will not uh, subscribe to the cultural change journey right away. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is all part of the journey. Uh, you, you just need to uh, take it in stride mm -hmm. and uh, show them that this indeed is the right way to go. You had your frustrations as well, I uh, suppose. Yes, for sure. <laughs> What's the self-talk, Simon, when you were having that, all of those frustrations? How does Simon Calasans, how did you deal with all of those frustrations? Okay, so um, I always like to think uh, that there is a reason why these people are thinking uh, this way. Mm -hmm. I always like to, uh, if, if there's somebody who doesn't agree with me or if there's somebody who has a different viewpoint, I always try to put myself in their shoes mm -hmm. and try to understand the reason why uh, they have that thought process or they have a mm -hmm. different viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And by you know putting myself in their shoes, uh, it uh, puts me in a much better position uh, to discuss and share with them the reasons why I think the way we're taking the organization uh, is indeed uh, the right uh, place to take it. Mm -hmm. um, by having them understand that, yes, I understand where they're coming from. And by, by starting from a uh, place of commonality, uh, we're then able to have a more constructive and better discussion as mm -hmm. we take the discussion forward. The one that hit me hard there was people may have different viewpoints. Still, you're into listening and understanding. I'm emphasizing this because I know that our listeners will also agree a lot of leaders tend to impose their views, <laughs> tend to really think, especially if there's a generation gap. I know better. I've been in this position. I've seen it. I've done it like that. Uh, for me, it's really empathy. I'm hearing Simon here saying, empathize with people. Uh, look at the things from their uh, perspective. Absolutely. Very important. We, we talked about uh, a lot of achievements that the, the organization, Banker, achieved through your leadership, with your leadership. We talked about the culture transformation journey. I also listed several descriptions of Simon Casans as a leader from composed, cool, calm, collected, and then emphasizing his, uh, his importance that he places on being open and being uh, courageous and in listening. Anything else, Simon, that somebody who may have a chance to work with you in the future needs to know, uh, this is Simon Calasan's leadership style or leadership brand. So um, we talked about, or we emphasized a lot in the discussion uh, in terms of the first aspect of communication, which is listening. Mm -hmm. But the second most important part is also being able to uh, tell your people uh, the story of where you want to take uh, the company. Mm -hmm. So it's really having a vision for the company and writing down that strategy, putting it down, and communicating it to the team. Mm -hmm. uh, so that every last person in the organization knows about it. So you talked about it earlier. Um, the team, they don't just know about the team norms. They also know about the key strategies 
of Bankart. So you ask uh, the data encoders, they will know it. You ask the people in the fraud team, they will know it. You talk to the people in collections, they will know the key strategies. Mm -hmm. I think that was important because um, they need to know how they fit in uh, those strategies. Mm -hmm. And by knowing that, it, it again gives them ownership uh, over uh, the journey uh, through which we wanted to take Vanguard. So uh, again, uh, communication goes both ways, listening and at the same time telling your story. <clears throat> um, lastly, so we talked about uh, trust and empowerment and the importance of being able to trust your leaders. But uh, lastly, it's also having a very entrepreneurial approach in terms mm -hmm. of management and knowing that you uh, need to learn how to balance uh, risk versus reward. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't take any risk, ede, ano Wala. <laughs> nothing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you take too big uh, of a risk, then you know you might lose your shirt the next mm -hmm. day. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very careful. Um, but that, that's the screwing up. That <laughs> yes, was yes. <laughs> So you need to learn how to balance and you need how to be entrepreneurial in your approach. Mm -hmm. And uh, what helps me uh, in this, it's really using data uh, mm -hmm. and analytics in uh, those decisions. Mm -hmm. Because uh, making decisions just because you feel like making those decisions, uh, you can guarantee that uh, you're, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, unless you're like a magician who can predict the future, right? Um, mm -hmm. But if you base your decisions on data with good insight mm -hmm. from your people, mm -hmm. uh, then uh, that would definitely be the right approach that you should take when making mm -hmm. decisions, make informed decisions. Yeah, there's a lot to take in there. And to our listeners, I'm sure that you, you may look at Simon. You, it, Simon may strike you as somebody who's really yes, a mild-mannered, tempered, Yes, but make no mistake, he has very powerful analytical uh, thinking. You just mentioned data and analytics. I was a witness to, in that session, Simon, that I facilitated, the, the first, uh, what was that, idea generation session with the theme uh, Got Talent, remember that? When you oh, yes, teams yes. Who presented ideas which will help in um, different KPIs of the business. I think the theme was, if time and money were not a constraint, what would you want to be able to uh, implement? And the team really exceeded our expectations. No, They really owned up to what they uh, thought of. Uh, very right. elaborate proposals. I'm sure mm -hmm. that not everybody, everything has been implemented. But in terms of unleashing that entrepreneurial spirit, I, I believe that we were able to uh, achieve it there based on data and analytics. Exactly. That's right. And what I also like about what Simon said is telling your people the story of where you want to take the company. I was not there in all of your meetings, but I really have a good feel of how you, you are the best storyteller <laughs> of that of that map. Remember, there's that big tarp in the training room that we uh, put that. Going back to our major topic of culture, ang culture kasi, stories eh. 
when a newbie is hired and listens to the stories of existing employees, what stories would people pass on? That's a culture. And the leader has to start telling the right stories, which people will pass on from levels down and to the next generation of uh, employees. I know we only had limited time and there's so much to uh, talk about to our list listeners. Even if I've known Simon for close to four years now, I uh, just spent very limited moments with him. But it's really not the quantity of time that you spend with a person. It's really the quality of time. I would facilitate their workshops and uh, that would be every year I'll be with you and your manicom, Simon, before we deliver that workshop, we'll have a quick discussion of what you want to expect. But it's really seeing you in the middle of the class, listening to everybody. And you're correct. You wanted them to be courageous. From 2017 to 2018 and 2019, I really saw a lot of that in Manicom. And Simon will only stand up uh, after listening to everyone Nakikita ko yung body language mo eh. So yung mga leaders dyan, ito yung dapat natin kopyain kay Simon. Okay? I know that you want, a lot of the leaders wanted to say something at the onset because we think masyadong hahaba to. No? Let's just uh, cut this conversation short so we can move on to others. Simon's style is to really let people speak up. And you will see it in his face if he's okay. If he's not, you will also know it when we wants to have the last say. <laughs> and that is, that's EQ. Huh? That's empathizing with others. And that's also self-control, Simon. I should right. give it to you. I'd like to end this with, again, saying, uh-huh. you are part of my leadership idols. I tell my team that. I've also given you as an example in my workshops. Because you produce results. You've mentioned your focus on people. Culture is at the top of your agenda. Culture and strategy. You showed the numbers as well, but apart from that, it goes back to the humble, mild-mannered, cool, calm, collected, but confident uh, demeanor. But make no mistake, this guy's very competitive. Yes, sports-oriented. go-getter. And congratulations to your new formal role as Executive Vice President and Group Head of Consumer Lending of RCBC Bankard. I'm sure that you will transfer your Midas touch that you exhibited in Bankard in consumer lending of RCBC. Thank you, Louis. Simon, thank you so much for this opportunity. You spent uh, an hour with us. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners who belong to middle or senior management will find your advice, your practical advice, experience-based advice uh, worth uh, implementing. Simon, once again, thank you. Could we just ask you to greet our listeners with hello, world, with that intonation, Simon. Huh? Hello, world. Hello, world. And that, Can my I? dear friends, is what Simon Calasans, former CEO of RCBC Banker, current executive vice president and head, group head of consumer lending of RCBC. I consider you a good friend of mine and my leadership idol. More power to you, Simon. And thank you for joining episode 5 of Hello, World. Hello, World. It's been an honor. Salamat. Salamat then. And see you around.
This is Louis Banta. Thank you for listening to our Hello World podcast. Follow us on Spotify for our weekly episodes.